We are very excited about today's show. And before we begin, we got Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. Jesse, what do you got for us? Hey, Stephen. So as you know, this item is very near and dear to my heart. It's the VIP membership. So probably hear us talk about our box membership um, all the time. It comes with our Pageant Planet box, unlimited coaching. And that unlimited coaching is um, unlimited email support. So you can send pictures. Uh, you can send your pageant paperwork to be edited. You can send your wardrobe for review, et cetera. What the VIP adds to all of that, so you, if you live in the U.S., you get your pageant box, you get your unlimited written coaching, but you also get unlimited mock interviews. This is a huge deal for people that are either going to their first pageant and they just like need the confidence to know they can nail the pageant interview or someone who's a veteran and just knows that interview is where they struggled or they just want to have something extra. And the mock interviews are 15 minute segments where you have a coach on the other end of Skype that can see you, that can, can see and critique your mannerisms, your answers, your content, and really guide you to make sure that you're giving yourself the best chance of success for interview. Yeah. And what is an average cost for a pageant coach, would you say? So I would say it's probably 50 bucks an hour minimum for a Skype coach. Um, and then with these, you're getting four interviews um, for an hour. So that's 50 bucks right there. If you have four interviews in a month, which is totally feasible with our scheduling, my gosh, do that three times. You're getting essentially three, like you'd be paying 150 for that anywhere else. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty normal. And like with most particular pageant coaches, you have to buy a package deal. They don't just mm -hmm. say like, okay, I'll book you for you. You can book me for 20 minute spots. So, and with this, right. I mean, of course it's near and dear to your heart. You oversee it. They get access to you, you know, mm -hmm. like through the questions, they get access to your expertise. If you're not answering the questions, you're overseeing them, you know, reading through them before they go out so that you can make sure that they're on brand and that they're in accordance to with the same level of information that you're giving on this, um, on the podcast on a weekly basis. So with the mock interviews, like walk me through like what a typical session, because, um, like, I guess, how they log in and what questions they ask, what the feedback's like, et cetera. Yep. So the first thing I want to say is almost no two pageant system interviews are the same. They are different time lengths. They're standing versus sitting. They're round robin versus panel. They're diff like political, not political, et cetera. So we will talk with you and understand what the requirements of your pageant interview are, or we'll find them ourselves. And we will gear our questions specifically to, to that. We also will base upon the time length you have. So if you have a 10 minute mock interview, if you're in the Miss America organization, we can do a full 10 minute mock interview to get that interview stamina up. Um, if you're in National American Miss, you have one minute interviews. We'll do several of those within the course of your session. So it's customized based on your age division and your system specifically. So we'll get on Skype together. We'll do our pleasantries and then we'll dive right in. And if there's a certain area of questions that you're really struggling with in your own preparation that you want to cover, you can spit that right out to your coach. You can say, you know, I really want to focus on current events today, or I really want to focus on technology-based questions, social media, et cetera. And our coaches on the fly can really quickly adapt to that. Got it. And okay, so outside of unlimited mock interviews, you already said unlimited questions. What are some other things that they get with it? And then kind of wrap it up with how do they sign up? So the, it also includes, like I said, if you live in the U.S., you do get a Pageant Planet box, which is really exciting. It's delivered to your door. It's based specifically upon when your pageant is. So if you are 11 months out and you should be doing a ton of research, we'll send you like 
a USB flash drive will send you some earbuds. You can be focusing on looking up old title holder, former, I should say old, former title holders. Um, but it just like evolves as you go. When you get to the wardrobe segment, you'll get some really great wardrobe items that you can use for shopping that make shopping easier, et cetera. So all of that benefit rolled into one. It's $76 a month. So we already said the mock interviews are going to be about, with a traditional coach, three times as much. And then you get the unlimited coaching, which with pageant coaches, a lot of the time you are paying for email support continuously. So it's an additional cost from someone else. You won't get that additional cost from us. And then the pageant box, um, which we typically value at 30 bucks a month. So and, all of that for 76. And, and kind of lastly, and what I'll provide a link to the description, like where people can buy the um, VIP membership and see all the membership options. Who are some of the, the people that's done this, like through the VIP membership? Okay, so we had Miss Junior High School America from last year, who we absolutely love. Um, we had National American Miss Teen a couple of years ago. Um, we have several Teen USA winners this year, which is really exciting. We've had Miss America top top 10 finalists, et cetera. So you're in good company. Yep, awesome. All right, thanks everyone. And check out the descriptions in the podcast for a link to the product. Take care. Welcome to Pageant Planet's podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome to another episode. Today, Jesse Ledoux and myself, we are going to be discussing how wardrobe color can win you a global pageant. So Jesse, set the stage for us. Stephen, let me tell you one of the most dangerous things you can do while pageant shopping. And it is walking into a shop and having no idea what you're looking for. Oh, that's the worst. It's the worst in Christmas shopping, gifts. I mean, it's just the worst period. Yeah. And sometimes you get lucky and you strike gold and you find like the holy grail. But most of the time you just get really confusing. And here's here's why this mentality sets you up for a few potential mistakes or here's the potential mistakes that can set you up for. First, the overwhelming amount of options causes you to get confused as to what you really want and what makes you feel great. That's the first thing because you're settling often because you don't know what you're looking for. The second is you are more susceptible to other people's opinions and agendas. So you, if you don't have your own leg to stand on when people come in really aggressively saying, oh, well, this is what I want for you. This looks amazing on you. And you don't know what you want. Oh my gosh, you're going to fall victim every time. And then the biggest problem you can come across is the obvious disconnect from your brand. So if you pick something that just makes no sense for every other aspect of who you're presenting in the pageant. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So how do you begin to at least get an idea for these different things that you're wanting prior to going shopping? Well, I just need to say the wardrobe you select for every phase of competition has to serve a purpose. So just picking something you like may not be enough. You could be the best dressed girl in the pageant or a guy in the pageant, but if it doesn't make sense for who you are and who you're presenting, it's going to be a total bust. And the clothing you select communicates to the judges before you are able to talk and interview. So as you're walking into the podium or to the chair, they're already evaluating you. Mm-hmm. And in other categories where you don't even have the opportunity to speak, like evening gown, fitness, etc. And you need to look polished no matter what the outfit that we know, but you should also be reinforcing the brand, like we've said, or possibly sharing subtle layers you want them to supplement in their mind about you. So say 
you're super bubbly interview um, and you're really fun, but you do also have a business side. So how do you incorporate sophistication into your wardrobe so that it balances out the personality? So it can use either to be reinforcing or to show layers. When I'm thinking about it, when someone walks into the room and they could be clear across the room, based on how they dressed, you create this perception about them. Totally. And I mean, there's a lot of studies done, right, where um, even actually a friend of Renata and I's, um, if you're new to the podcast, Renata's the name of my wife, um, she went to the mall, she did the study in college, and one one time she dressed in like sweatpants and went to the stores, and the next time she dressed up. Like, and then she analyzed the differences in how people treated her, and it was night and day difference. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, obviously, when you're talking beauty pageants, that it's going to be the same in this industry. Well, and I'll even take it a step further. That's like more equates to pageant life. So you walk into a restaurant and there's a woman standing there and she's got really fitted leather leggings on. Her hair is slicked back in a ponytail. She's got like a bright red lip and some dark eye makeup. Like she's very striking. She draws your attention. She looks really polished and she looks great. And then on the other side of the room, you see a girl equally looks great. She's maybe some wedges, a really flouncy dress, off the shoulder, great color, great pattern, great fit, et cetera, with maybe some bright pink lipstick and some big old pageant curls. Both of those women look great, but they are communicating two totally different styles and personalities. And that's really how we're going to talk about color today is how like you you can still look great in a dress in a certain color, but this is how a, another color will help benefit you with the judge's eyes because that's a lot of subconscious conversation that happens in their mind when they first see you. Yeah, and even within myself, like when you're when I wear certain clothes, I almost take on the personalities of the clothes I'm putting on. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a suit, organically I'm more serious. If I'm in pajama pants, I'm organically more relaxed, like, oh, whatever, you know, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. it really does. It affects the people that look at you. It affects your person and how you present yourself. So I want to hear, do you have any somewhat examples of people we can look to maybe that are notable in the industry that we can kind of look to and analyze? Yeah, so I want to go through four very notable winners in the last decade across several systems and discuss why their color choices worked so well for them and could have ultimately led to their success. So I tried to pick ones um, that, because, you know, I'm a pageant dinosaur, so I could have gone back 30 years, but I didn't. (laughs) Um, So I want to first talk about Rolene Strauss. Can you picture Rolene Strauss, Stephen? Yes. Yep. So she was Miss World. She was from South Africa, I want to say, four years ago. Sounds about right. Yeah, give or take. Okay. Yeah. So she wore the ultimate feminine gown. It was pale pink off the shoulder, ruffle bottoms, and she had these really soft side swept curls to match. And I remember the watching the pageant that year and I kept seeing her in the background. I'm like, oh my gosh, she is so gorgeous. She just glows. She has that angelic effect. And I was like bummed because they kept like Miss World, they have all like the top tens in the various categories. And she wasn't coming up in any of those top tens. Like, oh my gosh, she's like, she's drawing my attention every time because I think one, she looks so consistent and two, she's so facially beautiful. And then of course she won. So I will say like the judges were able to see her understated and gentle personality as one that would best communicate the Miss World platform, which is beauty with a purpose. And when you hear Rolene speak, she isn't super boisterous. She doesn't have to yell to be heard. She's probably not the loudest person at the dinner table. 
So she didn't have to oversell the community, that part of her personality with something obnoxious or a bright color. She went with a soft color that matched her personality that really was like a sultry neutral and communicated with the judges. I thought that was a perfect match for her personality. Yeah. And I mean, having met Rolene in DC, like it really is. I mean, that's who she is as a person. Mm -hmm. She is like all those things that you articulated. So, and I've never met her and I got that from her styling, from her interviews and from her dress color choice. Yeah. Cause we were at a party and it was like, it was for a pageant, so naturally she was like a celebrity there. But definitely wasn't the loudest person in the world, yet commanded uh, a lot of attention Like when she walked in. So yeah, that's totally her. So with this, do you want to go down through more examples? Do you want to analyze this more? How do you want to treat it? So let's just go through the examples, and then let's talk about some colors. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so who's the next example that you got? The next I wanted to bring up was Pia Wurzbach. She was Miss Universe from the Philippines three years ago, perhaps. And she had on that really, um, that really bold, bright blue. So it was like a, like a little bit lighter than a cobalt, I will say, but still just as punchy. And there is no denying that the Royal blue color choice for Pia was spot on for her performance. Blue has a natural disarming and trustworthy projection, but it's still bold enough that it screams confidence. And like in her own words, when she was standing there in final question, and they asked, like, why do you want to be Miss Universe? And she was like, I'm confidently beautiful with a heart. And the blue was like the perfect match for that. It didn't feel over overly like sugary sweet. It didn't feel overconfident. It still felt like she wanted to serve others, which is like the trick of blue. It's calming. It makes you feel like you want to be close to that person. So I bought into Pia completely. I felt like what she said matched what she wore. And as a judge, I'd be like, okay, this I get who this person is. Yeah. And I mean some background on, on Pia. She's worked pretty much since she was a young girl, supported her family through like modeling and doing actress, uh, actress stuff, um, actress stuff, <laughs> like working <laughs> in the world of entertainment basically. And she supported her family in the Philippines, like ever since she was a young, um, young girl. So to be confidently beautiful with heart, like perfectly sums her up. Mm-hmm. All right. The next one I want to talk about is Nia Sanchez. She was Miss USA and first one up to Miss Universe. And I don't remember how many years ago, Steve. Do you remember how many years ago? I, I am not a good pageant historian like you. I have to have notes on that thing. All right. I'm I just to, like, guess. And I always, I always feel like I'm way off. Did she crown Olivia? <sighs> yeah. Okay. Let's go. I think she did. Sarah Rose Summers. Okay. Who crowned Sarah Rose? Deshauna Barber? Deshauna Barber. Oh, no, Kara. Was Kara or Deshauna first? Deshauna was first. Okay. All right. So it was, okay, Sarah Rose Summers, Kara McCullough, uh, Deshauna uh, Barber. Am I missing somebody? Nope, nope. You're right. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Olivia Jordan. Mm-hmm. Nia Sanchez? I think so. All right, we're that, gonna go that's, with it. No, that if sounds we're wrong. Call us out. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right to me. Like when I'm asked to think about things like that on the spot, like who crowned who or when was crowned, I feel like I failed the majority of the time. And then I say it, which I'm further like, what is it, like speaking it into existence that I'm failing yes. each time. But like almost like my mind goes blank. Yeah. Like when I was, I don't know, I was tempting to name drop a few podcasts ago, and I completely forgot the name of the person I was name dropping. So it was just like, I don't know, it's a thing for me. For me, it's more like as you get older, I don't know if you feel saying like time flies and I'm like, that couldn't have been five years ago. There can't have been five Miss USA's between 
now and Nia, but there were. So that's more where I'm at. Well, and it's like, I mean, with with what we with what we do in the industry, we are like the, most of the people out there follow a system, and they they focus on like USA, and they follow it religiously, and like other websites follow systems. We're doing everyone across the world, so it's like every day there's like dozens and dozens of title holders, and it's like really it's challenging to keep track of it. Like I, I was speaking to a national director. Um, this is a few years ago. And this individual said, I don't even, I don't know who like my national Queens are. He's like, I, I forget their names <laughs> because <laughs> there's a lot of them. Right. And I'm like, I, I get that. I get it. Yeah. I totally get that. And he's like, and by the time I start to learn their names, there's a whole new wave of them because it's not like they're all living in his like, city block right where right. You just go down there and hi you know but um so i'm like i totally get that so anyways like that was probably a lot of justification for why we couldn't just rattle it off right away it's a lot to keep track of which is why we're creating the system of pageant planet so we can just easily run the reports anybody anywhere can see who was crowned when with a click of a button and that's the goal that's why we're doing what we're doing well my justification outside of time flying is much simpler there was a time where I tweeted, I live tweeted all the pageants for pageant plan, all the major pageants. So I had to pay very close attention. And then when we stopped doing that, I started to drink more wine while I watched the pageant. <laughs> and I probably remember less names. So that's, that's probably reality. But anyway, so Nia Sanchez. Yes, no Nia, Nia Sanchez. Yep. So when, when we talk about using color to subtly showcase layers of personality, I think Nia Sanchez did it best. Because if you look at Nia Sanchez styling all week, it was stinking adorable like everything she wore was darling she has great facial features to match really soft hair styling and like even for prelims she wore a really um really sweet looking yellow gown so like pale yellow not like bold yellow so it was like floral sheer with tiered chiffon layers on the bottom so like ultimate like soft, sweet projection. And then finals rolled around and she like totally dialed up the sex appeal in a daring red. And she kept her other styling consistent. So she still had the soft hair color, still had a more neutral lip color. So like it wasn't a huge leap from what the judges would expect. So she didn't go from the cutesy um, floral dress girl in the restaurant to the leather pants girl in the restaurant. Like it still made sense, which you have to like be able to have some of those lines that stay consistent. But she essentially reminded them that she could look more than sugary sweet, and she nailed it. Yeah, she yeah, absolutely agree. Okay, who's the next okay. one? One more um, example, and then we'll go on to some other things, mm-hmm. is Nina Davalori. She was Miss America. She was Miss New York and then Miss America. She wore the same gown for both. Um, so Nina's platform, and I know I know Nina, so like even more so, it makes perfect sense. Um, her platform touts inclusion and overcoming adversity. So it circles of unity. It's how do we all work together. She was the first Indian Miss America to be crowned. Um, so it would have been really easy for Nina to have a big old chip on her shoulder in life based on the discrimination she faced and still faces. I mean, some of the stories you hear will just like make your blood curdle about what she was, what she dealt with, like growing up in America. Instead, she chose, not only chose like a killer color for her complexion in yellow, yellow and um, deeper skin tone, just like obviously look amazing because it pops. But yellow also communicates joy, as we know from every single Miss USA commentator that's ever seen a yellow dress um, in celebration, but it allows a pretty heavy story instead of like contradicting itself, like is a comeback story. 
it was like, wow, she has all this lightness about her. Here she is. She's going to bring this message of inclusivity, of overcoming adversity, et cetera. And she's going to be a figure of inspiration. And she has. I, I can remember running into a contestant at, I think it was IJM Nationals, Internationals. And I asked her, like, how did you get involved in pageants? And she was of Indian descent. And she said, well, I never competed in pageants until I saw Nina Davalori when Miss America. And I thought I could do it, too. Mm. And I was like, wow, like that is a story. That's what pageants are all about. Moments like that. And I think the yellow really just built Nina, Nina, Nina's um, story into it. I think it just really made it all come together. That's great. So what's your takeaway from all from all these different national title holders that are pretty much sprinkled throughout the world? Well, you know that I am pageant obsessed. A lot of our listeners are, but maybe not to the level that we are on Pageant Planet. But a lot of people look at wardrobe and like, oh, wow, that's a great dress. But for those listening, I want them to really think, like, be honest with yourself. Did you pick up on any of those subtle clues? Did you feel like there was any science behind those wardrobe choices? I mean, maybe maybe everything we just said was completely true in their thought process, Maybe the perfect color match was actually by chance. Like regardless, it worked. So I'm not saying I want you to scientifically calculate every single person's color that's ever won a pageant. I want you to think about your favorites and think about how their colors made sense. And like we didn't talk about Olivia Jordan, but of course, like she wore hot pink ruffles. She was one of the oldest contestants competing. And that was clearly a plan, in my opinion, to make her appear more youthful, fresher. And it worked. So you just have to think about where your strong points are, how you want to emphasize them. Are there any reservations you think a judge could have about you based on some outside influences like your age, potentially? How can you counteract it? So I don't want you to just pick a color based on what looks good on you. I really want to think about, I want you thinking about how it makes sense for your story. Yeah. And like to your point about Olivia, I mean, she, we had her on the podcast. I don't know. It was a few years ago, obviously when she was title holder and she was like yeah i'm i describe myself as like awkward like <laughs> i just have those awkward moments and she did she seemed like childlike not in a bad way but in that like innocence and just playful nature you know and she happened to look very like really strong sex appeal so to tame that down and to capitalize on her personality was a perfect color yeah agree so there's a, there's a lot here. I mean, you yes. can, as you said, leave it to chance, but why roll the dice if there's actually a strategy behind implementing these colors inside of your wardrobe? Because the girls that did win, they found a color and they found a style that perfectly matched who they are. So I'm assuming you do have a strategy to pull this all together, correct? Well, now that you mention it, yes, of <laughs> course I have a strategy. So before you go shopping for your wardrobe, before you purchase anything for pageant week, day, weekend, however long your pageant is, I want you to do this exercise either with your pageant coach, with your family, with your friends, whoever it might be, but I want you to do it with someone else. Um, not so much that they can like put their feedback in, but just so you can hold yourself accountable to it. So the first step is, so there's, I'll back up even further. There's five words that we're going to talk about that will help you choose the right color for you. The first three are your personality words. So AKA one of the most popular popular questions in pageant history is describe yourself in three words. I've heard it not only in pageants, but job interviews, like you should have this answer nailed down. And I think we've done whole podcasts around how to answer this question. So it's how do you describe yourself in three words? So Steven, like what are, what are your three words that you describe yourself? Um, my three are communicative, strategic, and creative. Okay, cool. So I'm already seeing, like, I wouldn't put Steven in, like, 
and again, for, for men, obviously it's different, but I wouldn't put Steven in like solid black. Like there's some like probably some expressive qualities that he has. He says he's creative. So we'd want to put a pop of color in his suit or his pocket square, but he's strategic. So we still want to keep nice clean lines to showcase that business factor. So just by identifying those personality words for you, you can start thinking about, okay, what wardrobe qualities should I be looking for? If you, for example, if you use the word feminine, which a lot of people use, um, ruffles, um, softer chiffons, uh, off the shoulder silhouettes. I mean, already I'm thinking of other things you can do for feminine, but regardless. So I want you to write down your three personality words before you go shopping. Once you have those nailed down, the next two to consider are your style words. So those can like, for example, mine is, mine is classic and unexpected. So for my Miss International dress, I wore black. So a basic black dress, no stones on it at all. But it had these crazy nude cutouts that really like accentuated my figure. But that was unexpected. Like that hadn't been done before in a long time in the pageant fashion industry. So I was able to balance those two out. So I want you to think about what those words are. And those five words together are your wardrobe package. Mm. So and then when you're looking at different um, options, you basically before you go to shopping to bring it all the way back to the first point, you're like, okay, does this dress match these words? Or when you, yep. or when you're going in to talk to the the retailer or, you know, if you're getting something custom with a designer, I need a design that speaks to these five words. Yep. Or the other thing you can do is if they're all consistent, great. Then we have a very clear path of what direction we're headed if there's nothing that contradicts another word, like again, my words are um, spirit, authenticity, celebration, and then style words are classic and unexpected. I needed to bring an edge of like that. I chose the black because it was something that was like, okay, I'm super vibrant everywhere else, but I'm also a mid twenties woman that can mean business. So I chose black and the unexpected to kind of counteract that. So if there's one that stands out that won't be as obvious when you speak, Maybe that's the one you want to consider, like Olivia Jordan, like she wanted that, like she, her sex peel was all the way up. She wanted that pink flouncy to like counteract that. So as long as it makes sense, you don't want to go so outlandish in a direction that feels disconnected. Like we said, like, for example, Nia Sanchez not only opted for her bold red, if she would have done a slicked back ponytail, it wouldn't have made any sense. So it needs to be an evolution of your style, not a total new avenue of style. That's great. Cool. All okay. right. What else you got for us? So we asked some Instagram followers what their power color was, mm -hmm. and I wanted to talk through a few of them with our listeners. I want to talk about what um, those were, like what the color actually means and in, in actual interpretation, according to the experts, the real color experts. And then I wanted to talk about what their reasonings were and then kind of dive in there. So um, like, let's talk through this. So Steven, do you want to, so the first color we're going to talk about is red. Steven, do you want to talk about what red means according to the experts? Yeah, absolutely. So red, the meaning of red is the color of passion and drama. This color attracts the most attention and is associated with strong emotions such as love and anger. Red is a color that is used universally to signify danger, courage, strength, and power. Red is stimulating, vibrant, and exciting. Red inspires desire with a strong link to motivation. Yeah, motivation. Last one. Okay. Okay. So um, this this user submission came from Geneva underscore convention underscore, and they said red is my ultimate power color. It highlights my features and makes me look and feel powerful, which is not a major disconnect from anyone else that wears red. They use it because it is like the ultimate like fire color. And Stephen, I went to a charity event a few weeks ago. 
every single woman in the in the room wore black. Hmm. Imagine if somebody else had worn red. Yeah. And like it wasn't purposeful. Just like that little black dress is something that every woman has in their closet. It's easy to wear. But if you wear red, you immediately draw all the attention in the room just because it is so bold. It's so it's so against the grain and it takes a really confident person to wear it. Yeah, 100 percent. And I feel like your your eye is pretty. I mean, it's a, you can spot red like pretty quickly. I mean, I know there's one other color that like your eye is pulled to more, but red is right up there. It's got to be number two. Yeah, because they're in the same color family. And we'll, we'll get to what that color is. Um, in a little bit, but yeah, I thought that was, um, a great explanation from, um, Geneva. So I thought that worked perfectly, but also it pretty much summed up Nia as well. So I was happy to see it be consistent. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to the color, the meaning of the color green. So this is the color of growth and health. Think nature and see green in all of its glory, expressing renewal and life. Green has a strong association as a refreshing and peaceful color. Yes. And, um, this came from step G S U on Instagram. And I love that it like per- worked perfectly. Um, they said Hunter green. It reminds me of the summer spent at the Chattahoochee river nation recreation area where I hiked miles each day, removing nonative plant species and digging trenches. Hmm. So as you just said, Steven, it's all about the glory of nature and here, um, there's a direct correlation to a moment and memory. And I love that you tied in that personal um, touch to it. And when you ask that question in an interview, there's some of these answers that we'll hear that you can just tell, like, you know, I'm not learning anything about you. They're so generic that anyone could say this exact same example of why you chose that color. But this answer specifically, one, I learned more about them. And two, it rings completely true to the meaning of the color that they chose. Yeah. So, um, when we go on, well, actually, I'm going to add a fun fact about this next color at the end okay. that I discovered when I was at the Smithsonian Museum. Um, but so pink color, uh, it, the meaning of the pink color pink is the color of sensitivity. The passion of red combined with the purity of white creates this color in its association with love, tranquility, and femininity. And really, pink used to be the color for young boys. Back in like the early, I'm going to say it was like the 1910s, 1920s. Really? And the reason for that is because red was considered a very masculine color, very powerful color. Got it, sure. pink was a diluted version of that. So it was like, oh, a young boy is pink. And then marketers got a hold of it and said, no, pink is for girls and light blue is for boys. And it was the marketing people that started to spin it. Like when mass marketing through um, newspapers, et cetera, started to take place, they said, no, color is going to be used for, um, pink color is going to be used for young girls. And that's how it switched the meaning. But originally, it's for young boys. So when did, like, why was the reasoning that pink was now for girls? Like what what was the marketing, the genius behind the marketing? They They didn't state the reasoning behind it. They just said that's where the switch happened. So I'm not sure why, but they had like in the museum, it was like they had a setup of the boys room and it was pinks and the setup of the girls room because the girls was referred to as uh, blues for wow. whatever reason. And they just decided to switch them. And that I'm not sure who. Yeah. I had no idea. I was, I like to go to museums for those of you that don't know. I was by myself. I This was when I was living in Philadelphia and they had this mass or the Museum of Natural Art, which I believe is a derivative of the Smithsonian's. I could be wrong in that. 
don't remember 100%. But anyway, so I was in there. There was an exhibit. And if you're ever in Philadelphia, their museum's amazing. But yeah, that's that was the breakdown of it. So it's interesting that you brought up the fa- how what effect marketing has on the perception of color. Because I had a very heated debate once about the color of like so when you think christmas steven there's red and there's green mm-hmm. which do you consider more like christmas like which which more when you see it you think christmas oh my goodness i think green all right well you're in the minority Mother there crap <laughs> but so so the their reasoning was like christmas tree the christmas tree mm-hmm. right was the start of the green yeah um but r- red they they this person claimed their debate was that coca-cola is the reason that Christmas is so strongly associated with red. And like, I don't drink Coca-Cola. I, I probably have had one in the last 30 years, maybe two, <laughs> but like that, like Coca-Cola was a major brand machine during the commercialization of Christmas. Like what was it like probably in the fifties when Christmas started to be really commercialized. Right. And uh, cause after the depression, people were starting to thrive again, et cetera. And that's why they consider red to be, so strongly favored when it comes to Christmas over green because of Coca-Cola marketing. I could, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could see that. My, when you said that, like what, what color, the first thing I thought it was the green Christmas tree. Yep. You know? So that's why I was like, uh, green. Yep. But like, anyway. I could totally see like red being that strong player in there. The marketing machine, it is real and it is powerful. It is real. It is real. All right. So, um, so pink. So let oh, me yeah. talk about the submissions. And we actually got two totally different pink submissions and they were on both sides of the spectrum. So I'm very happy to report them. So the first is from Vanessa Jock underscore 2019. And she said, pink, soft, feminine, bright, elegant, just like I would like to be every day. So again, like Roleen, consistent with personality, not veering very far from the course. And then um, Mona Reese Art um, said hot pink. It's bright and playful, but also shocking. It reminds me to come out of my shell and be brave. Mm. So you have a little bit of an opposite there on the soft and feminine. It's like, I am woman, hear me roar type kind of impression, not afraid to stand out in the crowd, but still be really playful. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to see both sides of the coin. That's great. All right. So the next color meeting is yellow and it's the Mm -hmm. color of optimism. Yellow is a compelling color that conveys a youthful, fresh energy. Yes. And as we know, yellow is my power color. Um, so I agree with all of that completely. Um, and then t- I was surprised that two people on Instagram said yellow as well, because we see yellow so rarely. I think we've seen it more in the last three years or so on the pageant stage. But it's like one of those like colors that like whenever someone goes for it, it always pays off. But rarely people go for it. So I will read these two. Um, the first one came from KKRR. 012 and she said my power color would be yellow because it's bright sunshiny pretty and cheerful like me so as we saw in the green answer there was a lot of context in all of those rationale about nature and hiking etc i would love to see more personal touches in your color answer because anybody could say that about yellow so um to kkrr 012 thank you for the submission and your homework is to think of a way that you can personally tie yellow to your personality and your answer. Um, the next one is from Mariah underscore Ann 15. Um, and she said, I believe my power color would be yellow. It is a bright color. It stands out among the crowd. It is the color of the sun, which is the light to our earth. And it's the color of sunflowers, which is my favorite flower. So we're getting there. So there's, there's a personal touch 
the sunflower, I would even still love a little bit more context. How about you? Are you thinking it's getting forced with all the context or do you like more context? No, I like context, but I like to know the meaning behind why people do things. Like it helps me to understand them better as a person and it just kind of, it, it uh, fulfills one of my contextual words, which is creativity. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I got it. Like, that's why you murdered those people. Or, oh, I got it. That's why you're wearing blue. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh my I got word. You know, taking it to whatever extreme. I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. That, that's why that happened. I don't think I'll ever get it. When I listen to, so I listen to a lot of murder podcasts, which you know, Stephen. Mm-hmm. So I said um, it. Like, fast, <laughs> like, true crime is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, but I still never I still never finish the episode. I'm like, okay, I can understand why that happened. I'm always still like, what is happening yeah, you can totally see other, it's like, you know, you could have just divorced them. You didn't have to, like, <laughs> kill them. You know, there's there's legal ways around this. But, yeah, I, I, I get it. But, like, going through those and, like, talking with people, understanding why they choose the colors, why they do, or understanding why they choose the route in life, what they did, it does. It helps, like, get more understanding. So, it does. Yep. It, it fuels, it uh, feeds my creativity. So, um, fun fact about yellow you want to share? Um, I will gladly share just because I love yellow so much. Like that is my true accent color. But um, so the fun fact about yellow is the eye sees yellow first on the spectrum, which is why it is so eye catching. So there is a scientific reason behind if you look at a line of contestants in different color dresses, your eye will first go to the yellow one by like because we are predisposed to do so based on how we are, I see the color spectrum. And that's why red is second because it is in the yellow color family. So, I mean, if you want to stand out in a crowd, yellow is a great way to do that. Yellow is. And that's like, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, look at the stop, look at the, the street lights. It goes from green to yellow to red, you know? So it's like mm-hmm. you know, really the, the eye catching there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, can I say one more yeah, thing about okay. that? Um, I think the other reason why yellow is such a great choice for a lot of people is I, I could never have worn red in competition. Stephen, can you can you maybe think about why I could never wear red? It, was it be your undertones? Um, no, it's actually because I am so obnoxious in personality <laughs> that if you have a bold personality like me, or like a lot of pageant contestants who like Rolling Strauss does not is not the loudest at the dinner table. I ten out of ten times am. And when you're sitting in an understanding, you're sitting in an interview, whether it's panel or seated, and you're wearing a bold color like red, and you're matching that with a boisterous personality that can put off a lot of judges thinking you're overconfident, or it can intimidate judges that may not have that same level of um, self, um, not self-esteem, but self-assurance. Yeah. So yellow is a great complement to that because it's still like screams freshness confidence etc but it's not as off-putting yeah so i mean the typical rule of thumb with that is if you like i mean just a blanket statement the louder your personality the more mute uh the color you want to do and the more softer your personality the more louder the color in interview so that the two are not competing um against each other so it's not like loud and red <laughs> so it's yes, like exactly. whoa you're screaming at me in interview right or you're not super secure um conservative and black they're like oh am i talking to a banker here or what, what what's happening right so but you also don't want to be so far off your color preference that like you're you're mismatching so yes totally. i you definitely want to have variety but for me like i would never walk in and wear a nude color it just would 
it wouldn't make sense for me. <laughs> and that's why like you still, you have yeah. to be able to deviate from like your standard brand words, but not so much that it feels like you're not the same person. Completely. Okay. So the color of blue means trust. Blue, the shade of the sea and the sky, is thought to induce calm and convey tranquility, serenity, and peace. The popular color instills confidence and inspires feelings of trust, loyalty, integrity, and responsibility, which is why like a lot of tech companies like use blue in their in their logos. So agree completely. We are talking about Pia. It's all about the trust. It's all about feelings of warmth, etc. And there's so many shades of blue. So they work with across the board skin tones, which is great too. And it works for all age divisions because if you're a teen and you kind of want to like enjoy a softer tone, a sky blue is a great compliment. Um, so this finishing came from Kelly M. Picatito, I think it says. That was pretty um, good. Way better than if I would have done it. You this, know, so, yeah. I almost, Steven, I almost had you give it a try. <laughs> I almost did it, but I am not that mean. Yep. I know. Anyway, okay, my power, so she, Kelly says my power color is blue because it is like the ocean and the sky peaceful and beautiful, which it absolutely is. But again, as you're trying to identify, if someone says, what's your power color? And you use a term that like, again, anybody else could say, why is it your power color? What are you, how are you connected to it truly? So let's, let's really dig deep this week for all of our listeners and figure out what is that tie to your power color? Why do you feel so connected to it? Okay. So to pull this all together, could we say first, find your words that best describe yes. you, the five yes. words, mm -hmm. and then just as a general statement, match them with the color meetings that we just provided for you. And then mm -hmm. you pretty much have your color family. Exactly. So we can do that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Outside of that, is there any way else that, how do you want to sum this up? Well, I, I hope that running through these inspired our listeners to think more critically about the colors that they're selecting that can reinforce their brand, take the opportunity to showcase an important layer of their personality. And I know that can be difficult because we just said a lot of things. We said, you want to be confident, but not too confident. You want to be soft, but not necessarily too soft or like you want to be serious, but not too serious. And that's confusing for people sometimes to hear a lot of these different messages that we're conveying because not there's not one right strategy for every single contestant. So if you're having trouble with that, I want you to email me jesse at pageantplanet.com and we set up a coaching session and all we can focus on, if that's what you want to focus on, is identifying your five words and how you can strategize your color preference and your palette for that entire competition to really hit it home. So jesse at pageantplanet.com and I can hook you up. Yeah, Thanks everyone for listening. And if you've received any benefit from this show or for ones previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It may seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.